Hi, I'm Crystal, former school principal, married mother of two, and newly diagnosed ADHDer. Come on my journey where I figure out how to improve my quality of life and my family's. What if I told you your phone was at 15% battery? I'm sure many of you, like me, would quickly find the cord, plug it in, and charge it to its fullest potential. Why don't we have the same response to our brains? Wouldn't it be nice if we could all walk around with battery percentages on our foreheads or even our wrists? We often hear about ADHD burnout and being drained, but do we really explain to others how our metaphorical battery works within our brain? And do we do things to slow down the use of our battery and make sure to recharge it each day? And do we even really understand it ourselves? Today I want to talk about our brain, metaphorically as a battery-operated machine, and how it is different from the neurotypical battery-operated people that walk next to us on the street. And if you're here and you're neurotypical, maybe you can listen to better understand how ADHD brains work and what drains their brain faster, as well as how to help someone with ADHD to slow down draining their overall battery and how to recharge it at the end of the day. So it is thought that with a good night's rest, our bodies wake up with a fully charged battery for the day. At least that's what we're taught growing up and that everyone wakes up with 100% each day. However, many ADHDers report problems like insomnia, nocturnal awakening or nocturnal activities, snoring, difficulty breathing, restless sleep, nightmares, delayed sleep phases, and even anxiety just around going to bed or waking up. So imagine then that these same people who are experiencing these things and not addressing them wake up with 70% battery or 60% battery. It's definitely manageable for the day, but it's not going to be the same as 100% of a battery for the day. Now, as the day goes on, it's very natural to have your battery slow down, diminish because of the demands of the day. Everyone experiences stress, anxiety, and moments of feeling overwhelmed. We spend our time balancing things like workloads and home life, regardless of our neurotypical brains or a brain that's neurodivergent. Balance is such an obscure word to me because I'm not even really certain it's something that is even attainable, and yet we're all still striving for it. Anywho, the ADHDer has to work hard to do the things throughout their day and to focus on each task. Our minds have many things going on in them. So to continue with the phone analogy, a neurotypical person might open one app on their phone and complete a task. As the ADHDers, we have multiple apps open and the notifications that to continue to pop up, oh, we stop and address those and bounce back to the app that we were last in. Or maybe even get an idea from that notification and open another app. All these apps running at the same time are also running down our battery. Now, of course, personal decisions to meditate or receive therapy can train or our brains to open less apps at once, so to speak, but there is often still the urge to click on those notifications and to open new apps. So what other things draining our batteries faster or quicker can we address? And how can we avoid what many call burnout? Burnout refers to the cycle of overcommitting or overextending that leads to fatigue in people with ADHD. 
It involves taking on too many tasks and committing and then subsequently exhaustion that happens when we're unable to fulfill all the obligations. The hardest part is oftentimes some of these obligations can be simple tasks that when we don't have time to reflect on can often go unnoticed but definitely compound over time. At times, our phones will drain and then they'll freeze and they won't complete a task in a timely fashion that we are requesting it to do. The same goes for us ADHDers. ADHD paralysis happens when a person with ADHD is overwhelmed by their environment or the amount of information given. We've all had many tabs open on our computer and it starts to slow down and the device isn't loading things fast enough. This is the exact same thing that's happening in an ADHDer's brain. As a result, they freeze and aren't able to think or function effectively. This makes it challenging for the individual to focus and complete their tasks, including urgent ones. If you have ADHD and you're listening to this, all that I've said so far, you already know, and you feel it. By two o'clock, you feel drained and you're overwhelmed and your overall energy really can't do anything beyond just breathe, eat, and poop. So what do we do about it? Well, like anything else, making ourselves aware, taking time to reflect on if, if it's even happening, and over time watching how it's happening can really help us. We all drain our batteries in different ways, and even though there are many commonalities, each person handles each, each situation differently, even with ADHD. So being solution-based, as I always am, we can't talk about this constant burnout and draining our battery, so to speak, without talking about how to slow it down and what to do to recharge our battery. There are various ways to recover or minimize ADHD burnout, including outsourcing executive functioning tasks, attending to sensory needs, ensuring appropriate accommodations are in place for yourself and practicing good boundaries, and engaging in activities that support a healthy rhythm throughout your day. Many of us ADHDers use art, music, and other ways of expressing ourselves or removing ourselves from our mind as a way to refill our battery. By building in many breaks in our day and giving ourselves time to do these tasks, even if it's just simply taking time to meditate or relax, we can slow down the way our body or our brain drains our battery and potentially even get a few percentage points back on our battery for the day. So how else can we recharge our battery? Well, like I've said in the onset of this podcast, sleep is one of the most important things to recharge our battery to 100%. And though we can do things throughout the day to slow it down or to assist in a few points up on our battery, ultimately that 100% recharge is only going to come from quality sleep. Evaluating your sleeping hygiene and overall time that you dedicate to sleep can be helpful. Sleep hygiene is something that we weren't really taught when we were younger, but doctors are discussing more and more in appointments, and I know my doctor speaks about it often. Good sleep hygiene includes things like shutting off devices a significant amount of time before bed, making sure your bedroom is quiet, dark, relaxing, and a comfortable temperature for yourself, removing electronic devices such as TVs, computers, and even smartphones from the bedroom, setting a set schedule for sleep and sticking to it, even on the weekends. Lord, this is hard for me, but if you can set a certain time throughout the week, make sure that you're waking up within an hour or two of that same time on the weekend. This allows for your body to have a consistent sleep cycle. The same thing goes for what time you go to bed. 
Try not to stay up significantly longer on weekends. If you go to bed at a certain time during the week, make it similar on the weekends. Your body is really relying on this schedule to reset everything each day. Be careful with naps. There are mixed reviews on this, but many doctors believe that naps never really help you to catch up on the sleep you feel you're missing, and that depending on the length that goes beyond 30 minutes, it can actually send your body into a full recharge cycle like it does at night. And when you wake up because it was just meant to be a nap, your body is thrown out of whack because it was anticipating the nightly hours of sleep you would normally get with a full night's rest. Avoid large meals, caffeine, alcohol, and snacks before bed can be another way to strengthen your overall sleep hygiene. Testing out relaxation techniques at night can also be a great way to help your ease into sleep. Instead of making falling asleep your goal, it's often easier to focus on relaxation, being mindful, focusing on your breathing or other techniques to get your mind ready for bed. Don't lay in bed awake. It, it definitely impacts your overall sleep hygiene, and my doctor has discussed this with me many times, and I never really thought that it mattered until I started to actually put into place what he was saying. It helps to have a healthy mental connection between bed and actually being asleep. And for that reason, if after 20 minutes you haven't gone to sleep yet, get up, stretch, read, or do something else calming and low lighting before returning back to bed. Now, I used to think, if I can't fall asleep, I'll just lay there and think about the things that I need to think about. But actually physically getting up and doing this did have an impact on my overall sleep. But does good quality sleep hygiene just have to do with what you do before bed? Not exactly. There are things you can do throughout the day to ensure that you can maximize your overall sleep and get that 100% battery charge. One of the things you can do is getting exercise throughout the day. And I'm not even saying going to the gym every day, but even a 10 to 20 minute walk can increase your overall exertion of your body. Reduce alcohol consumption. I mean, alcohol makes it so much easier to fall asleep, but the effects wear off, disrupting your sleep later in the night. And as a result, it's best to just limit your overall alcohol together and avoid it later in the night. Cutting down in the caffeine during the day can also help because it's a stimulant. Caffeine can keep us wired even when you want to rest, so trying to avoid it overall throughout the day can definitely help your sleep hygiene. I mean, I have found that even if I have a pop at lunch, it can impact my overall sleep. Don't dine out late either. Eating late, especially if it's big, heavy, or spicy, can mean you're still digesting it while you're trying to sleep. And in general, any food or snack before bed should really be on the lighter side. Restrict your in-bed activity, like I said earlier, and limit really the bed to sleeping and any physical interaction you have with your spouse. Get daylight exposure is probably one of the most important ones that I find in the wintertime is very difficult to do and impacts my overall sleep. Light, especially sunlight, is one of the key drivers of circadian rhythms that can encourage quality sleep. Our bodies and brains require a daily recharge. And though ADHD might drain our batteries a little faster than others, we are able to make small adjustments, even to increase our overall battery usage and slow down the process of ADHD paralysis and burnout. Remember back to my podcast on the ADHD project about the 1%. If you focus on improving your day just 1%, it will compound over time to make huge changes in your life. 
Save this episode and don't try to adjust all the things that I've talked about in one week or even a month. Focus on setting small goals of maybe getting more sunlight exposure and focus on that for two weeks and then go back and re-listen and do something different and see how it impacts your overall energy levels. Your battery can and will improve over time. Stick to it and as always, have grace with your success.